Promo Kitchen is a nonprofit organization committed to the advancement of the promotional products industry through education and mentorship. If you want to get more involved, visit us on the web at promokitchen.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Promo Kitchen podcast. We are a community-inspired conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the $20 billion promotional products business. My name is Mark Graham, co-founder of CommonSkew, and I'm delighted to welcome Bruce Perryman back to the show. Longtime listeners might recall the last time when Bruce was on the podcast. It was in October of 2012, and we spoke at length about Bruce's endless curiosities and passions. I maintain to this day that Bruce is the only person in this industry who gets younger with each year he gets older. Bruce is the owner of Embroidery Unlimited and current member of the PPAI board. He lives in Tempe, Arizona with his wife, Suzanne, and his family. In addition to his responsibilities as a decorator and family man, Bruce invests heavily in his own professional development. To that end, Bruce is here to tell us about his experience with Seth Godin's Alt-MBA program, which he just completed at the end of March of this year. The Alt-MBA is an intensive, four-week online workshop designed by Seth for high-performing individuals who want to level up and lead. It's an intense boot camp for marketers and business people alike, and I have heard that it's insanely great. Bruce, it's so great to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you, and thanks for the kind words and the introduction. And just to set the record straight, because we're snobs here in Arizona, I live in Scottsdale. Oh. But anyway. <laughs> well, <laughs> there you go. Throw that in. You live in Scottsdale, but the business is in Tempe, right? That's so, correct. you know, yeah. there you go. And I think we should do another podcast just as a separate note on how it is that you have been able to defy age and actually get younger as you get older with each year. I mean, really, it is true. You're the only guy. Well, it's interesting because at Expo, I happened to be in the ballroom when Seth was keying up for his keynote. And yep. I said to him, I said, listen, I want to ask you something about your old MBA. And I said, I'm 65 years old. I'm in the twilight of my career. Do you think it's valuable? And he kind of chuckled and he looked at me. And of course, he encouraged me to go in. And I was afraid that I was going to be the oldest one in the group. And lo and behold, I wasn't. So wow. it's amazing out there. Yeah, it is amazing. And we're going to get to that. So why don't we back up for the benefit of listeners? Why don't you tell people what the Alt-MBA is all about, how you apply? Just give us the, 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 the skinny on it to set things up, and then we'll get into, the, get into the details and the impact that it had on your life. Okay. Well, as you said, it's an intensive four-week class. You apply by answering a number of questions. There's a form that you can find. You can Google hashtag Alt-MBA, and there's a whole list of frequently asked questions, and there's an admission form. What they don't tell you about is as the process was unfolding, I had submitted my stuff. I answered the questions. I was like, they're going to announce who they're accepting. And out of the blue, I got a call asking me if I was available for a five-minute phone call interview, which was intriguing. And as you go through the process, ambiguity is one of the things that you'll wrestle with throughout the whole month of doing work in Alt-MBA. Directions are ambiguous if they're directions at all. But anyway, the phone call went real well. I talked to a young lady for about two minutes and she asked me a question. I answered and she goes, I hear laughter in your voice. And then the next thing I know, I was accepted and and away I went. Wow. So it has to do with uh, you having like a light spirit? Is that what you think it was? Or well, what else did she I, ask you? I mean, the interview sounds pretty brief. I, 
I mean, it was very brief, and I forget the exact question that she asked me, but they go through, for example, in my class, they accepted 140 people from 20 different countries in multiple time zones around the world, and they want people that fit what they kind of deem to be change makers, people that are interested in leveling leveling right. up, as they say. There's some kind of, between your written admission forms, your answers to the questions on the admission form, and this brief conversation, there's something that they're looking for. Right. You never know what that is, but once you're in the class, and you each week you get a new learning group, so you meet people from all over the world. Two separate weeks, I had people from Australia in my class, and so it, wow. it's, it's kind of intriguing because you do meet a lot of like-minded people. So tell me about a typical day in the course. The way it works, in the four weeks, every Monday morning at 6.30 New York time, they release the information to the cohorts, and you look at the group that you're assigned to. There's five people in a group each week. You get four new learning partners. You get three projects that are issued, one for Tuesday, one for Thursday, one for Sunday. Now, you're committing your time on Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday night, the video conferencing goes from, in my case, because I was in Arizona, Pacific Coast, they went from 6 to 9. And then on Sunday, you commit from 9 in the morning to 6 in the afternoon. Wow. The Tuesday and Thursday ones, you pretty much use all of those three hours conferencing with your group. And then when you hang up, you have until midnight to post your project. And that post takes on the form of a blog entry into a WordPress setup that they have going. Right. So you'll talk about the first project was setting goals using Zig Ziglar's seven steps to getting goals established. And so I'm sitting there going... I know what goals are. I've not really set too many goals on paper, so it's an exercise that you go through. And so at the end of the conversation, you go back, you set your goals, and you publish it. The next day, people will comment on your post, and you will be required to comment on five posts, complete strangers. They're all randomly selected, and you read their posts, and you comment on them. And then after the comment, you have a couple of hours You have a reflection script that's due before your next call. So the first week is kind of benign in that you're getting your feet on the ground and you're getting used to the workload. But come the next week, you are working each and every day in advance of the projects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of writing. There's a lot of reading. There's a lot of conversation. And it's pretty intense. A heavy workload would be what I would characterize that. Right. And then at the end of the four weeks, Bruce, what do you feel was the most valuable lesson you learned from the experience? Well, being an older student and being a business owner, it was amazing how many people, once you let them know that you were a business owner, they really latched on to a lot of what you said. It's almost like you were a de facto leader just by being a business owner. So there was a lot of interesting conversation, and along the way, there were several times when I sat back and I was like, wow, my thinking vis-a-vis this approach is vindicated by the fact that these complete strangers around the world are are, you know, going, hey, that's pretty positive, that's exceptional, that's this. So you get some self-satisfaction by having your thought processes vindicated. You get some enlightenment in the fact that, you know, that you're talking about narrative and empathy and things of that sort that you probably don't pay much attention to in the course of your daily business life. It was refreshing in that respect. And the fact that on several occasions, we had groups that were sensitive to people that were exposing their fears, it was moving. I mean, I, I can relate to one conversation where I, you know, we were on a video conference call, and 
the fellow was talking, and I said, what's that pain in your face? And it just, it was a watershed moment in that conversation that was just like, blew my mind. It just, it was a game changer, the complete stranger on the other side of the world. Right. And it sounds like you were in, in these groups that shuffled around quite a bit. So these Australians that you were talking about, would you have been in a group with them for a couple of days and then you were then cycled around with some different people around uh, or in another part of the world? Yes. Every week you get a new learning group and they come from all walks of life. One fellow is an Indian fellow and he was manager at Microsoft and he was giving us insight to how Microsoft works and it was just fascinating stuff. I mean, right. Crazy. Right. And I'm curious, so a little bit more about the makeup of the people in the group. So on one end, you've got someone at Microsoft. Did you have anyone that was not in the business world or at least the traditional business world that was coming to the conversation with a completely different vantage point? No, the, the vast majority of the people that I ran into were all in the business world. Okay. They were all interested in making change. One guy was from California working with a power company, and he was actually, <laughs> every time I talked to him, I said, and you're still employed? He was making ruckus, as they say, in a very interesting way, and by the end of the Alt-MBA program, he had taken the concept of the Alt-MBA program to the executive team at this power company, and he was given the green light to implement a smaller version with a similar kind of approach. Wow. And, into the company, I was just looking, we have a Slack group, an alumni group that we converse through, and he's pushing out the whole concept. It's pretty impressive. Wow. And so I'm curious to understand, if you look at the title of the course, it's Alt-MBA, you know, suggesting that this is an alternative to traditional education. And I know that Seth is skeptical, is probably the, the word I would use, of the traditional education industrial complex, I think is what he's called it before. So it's no surprise that he would be weary and skeptical of the traditional MBA. Can you tell me how it is that you feel the Alt-MBA kind of flies in the face of traditional education? I mean, we've talked a little bit about the fact that it's online. We've talked a little bit about the fact that some of the instructions are a bit, you know, vague or choose your own adventure. Are there other parts to it? And then a follow-up question to that is, do you think that's an effective way to learn relative to traditional education formats? That's an excellent question, and I'll throw in some of my personal observations over the years. I had gone into the Navy. I was a military veteran and went back to school. So my senior year of college, I was doing a marketing research class, and I was given the task of looking at marketing of education, secondary education at the school that I went to. Anyway, we went around to different universities in the New York metropolitan area, and we were talking to students. And, of course, the MBA is the, the be-all and end-all of professional education. But I found out that when I started an MBA program, it was less taxing than my undergraduate studies were. And the only observation I made with the MBA was if you were retraining, a lot of my friends were teachers that wanted to get out of teaching into the business world, they went to get an MBA. And I said, well, there's value there. Outside of that, it was just a rubber stamp to a quick way to a professional, better job or something. Seth easily recognizes that. And he put together this intense four-week class. You're not going to get the same level of instruction as an MBA. You're not going to walk out with the piece of sheepskin that says, hey, I did all the MBA because it's not accredited and that kind of nonsense. But, but still, what he's done here is he's gotten it down to the nitty-gritty. And when you look at each of the projects, you're definitely learning in a big way. 
before the program even starts, like 10 days before the program started, I got a box with nine books in it. No instructions. doesn't say read these books in any kind of order. They were just nine books. Then you sign in, you start the class, and they take you to a resource. There's 75 resource titles in there. There's video. There's all kinds of things, so it's very intense. And he covers the ground that he thinks is important for us to have in our approach in business and, and making a ruckus, if you will. And, of course, it just piques your curiosity. It's not the end-all to be-all. But for someone like me who is curious all the time, I mean, a lot of this stuff is really interesting. And in four weeks, you don't have the time to delve into it to the depth that you'd like to. But he's given you the basic tools to move forward and create your own ruckus. Speaking of the ruckus, you graduated from this at the end of March. What kind of ruckus have you been making ever since? Well, it's it's part of my... Part of the goal setting, I'm currently in the midst of getting together my resume and my other paperwork. It's on my bucket list to teach a college class in a business setting. So I'm currently in the process of getting all that stuff together. There are two institutions here in town that I think I can approach and say, hey, there's an opportunity here to see how that goes. One of the other things they ask you to do is to continue the Alt-MBA and put together a program they want you to get a minimum of 10 people together and go through an Alt-MBA exercise. So I'm currently in the midst of getting together that idea, whether it's here in my office or maybe I can get a webinar through PPAI or something along those lines. I'm going to do that. And then there are some, just some subtle ways that I'm currently dealing with customers and trying to employ empathy and a few other things. We're redoing our mobile app and offering more functionalities. Just subtle stuff. You were saying before, Bruce, that you went up to Seth when he was preparing for his keynote at the expo in January earlier this year, and you asked him whether you were too old to be taking the course. So you said, hey, Seth, I'm 65 years old. I'm in the twilight of my career. Is the Alt-MBA designed for someone like myself? And why don't you finish the story and tell us what he said? Well, he happened to pull out his phone and he was paying attention to the Twitter feed because they had started a class in January, and he showed me the Twitter feed, and it was pretty active, and then he kind of smiled. You know his mannerism, so he kind of looked up at me, he smiled, and he goes, yeah, give it a go, apply, and see what happens. <laughs> I love it. So I'm really curious about this idea of ongoing professional education and investing in one's career. And of course, there's two ways that we can do this in our industry. One is by going through the traditional education program offered by either PPAI or ASI and understanding maybe the nuts and bolts of the promotional products industry or how to sell better or how to operate a better business within the four walls of this industry. And then you've got these outside educational programs, which you might see at conferences or, or I should say non-industry conferences or something like the Alt-MBA, which has nothing to do with the promotional products industry. It's a general purpose business course, for lack of a better description. And I'm always curious to ask the question when promotional products people take a step outside the ASI, PPAI world of education and to see what they took away from it and how they were able to take these non-industry lessons and apply them specifically back into their promotional products business. So in your case, Bruce, you're a supplier or you're a decorator. You do great embroidery work in Arizona. How do you feel Seth's Alt-MBA, the investment that you made, 
is going to help you grow a better business at Embroidery Unlimited? Or am I getting your intentions wrong? And if so, let me know. No, not at all. You know, and I think we had this conversation, maybe it was the last time I was on your, your show here. I get kind of, I don't know what the word is. I am a decorator. There's no question about it. But more importantly, I'm a businessman. I could go into any business today and be successful at it. So labeling someone as a decorator or a supplier or a distributor or anything, they're hopefully, they're aspiring to be the best business person they can be because you're not just wearing a sales hat and I'm not just wearing an embroidery hat. Obviously, I mean, I used to run the machine and do all that stuff, but, you know, I've grown to become more of a business person. So what I do is I try to bolster that in every way that I can. I mean, you know, I've been following Seth Godin since God knows 2005 or 2006 um, yeah, and his stuff is so compelling on a professional level, but also on a personal level. So he gives you the whole thing. He gives you the whole package. And in the Alt MBA program, he has distilled business down to the, the very basics that are going to get you where you need to go if you're so inclined. This is designed for people that want to make change and become leaders. And I've been that way since I've gotten into the business world. You just don't achieve a book of business that's $10 million and sit there and say, okay, I, I'm successful. It has nothing to do with it. And it's funny that you should ask this question because the other day I was sitting around with my wife and I said, you know, in everything that I do, for example, I, I have a pilot's license. It wasn't good enough just to get a pilot's license. I had to get a commercial license. It wasn't good enough to get a power plane. I went to get a glider license. And then, oh, wait a second, what possessed me to do aerobatic flying? Well, it's the same way I approach business. I have an undergraduate degree. I have a graduate degree. This was just another piece of the educational puzzle. I didn't have to get an MAS+. Plus. All of these things that you do, you educate yourself. And not only is it good for business, it's good for the people that look at you and you exude some kind of leadership skills. Yeah. As a result of all of this. So it's, yep. And you see this. How many times does somebody get elected to the board of directors of PPAI, for example, and they have a CAS, and you're like, really? You're in a leadership role. You should taste the Kool-Aid and, you know, you know, that's a personal opinion. But you get the drift of what I'm trying to say. If you're going to lead by example, lead by example. And the best way to do that is continuing in your education and professional development. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No question. That's one of the most important parts of being a business person. And I think if you look at anyone who has had any degree of success in a business career, whether it's in the promotional business or outside the promotional industry, you'll often see an investment in oneself, an investment in one's professional education as being the thing that distinguishes the leaders from the people who are not leaders. And I reflect back when I was in school, we call it university here in Canada. You right, might call it right. college in the States. But, right. And I remember that for me, probably one of the richest times of my life was during those four years when I was doing my arts degree. And I did a little bit of business, but for the most part, I studied history and the humanities and literature and philosophy. And I absolutely loved the process of learning and I had a, a decent mind for business and I felt, well, you can learn business kind of by the school of hard knocks. You can get out there and you can just figure it out just based on experience. But the ability to think, the ability to communicate, the ability to write, the ability to present, those are all things that are a lot harder to learn. I mean, you can certainly learn them on the go, but I just loved that process of discovery. And I always remember that when I left that environment, 
that even though I got into the world of business and in this particular case, my own business and entrepreneurship, I always wanted to create an environment of continuing education because as much as it's great to design beautiful promotional products, merchandise programs for really neat customers or in my current job, designing software for the industry. At the end of the day, that's kind of boring just in and of itself, but it's a lot more exciting if you're able to think about the big picture and you think about things beyond the four walls of your day to day. So that's why I'm so kind of inspired by your story. I can completely identify with it because I think it's absolutely critical. Otherwise, I think you become like the walking dead when you're, when you're in a job where you're not investing in what's next. As I was listening to you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, all of those things that you miss now from your days at university, you'll find in the Alt-MBA. Uh, one of the exercises actually was uh, one of the projects was you had to come up with a three-minute video. And I was like, three minutes is a long time to talk and videotape yourself. I was sitting here going, my wife was in my office, and I'm going, how are we going to do this? Well, I'm like rehearsing this script, and then it dawned on me that somebody has to have a teleprompter for a laptop. And so I get this teleprompter. And I Jimmy rig it in front of this, and it was just a funny story, just funny stuff. But it, it goes to what you're saying. You know, there were so many things in the program, uh, reading, writing, conversing, communicating. It hits all of those things. Bruce, I'm curious. It's kind of two questions here. What was the most surprising thing you learned about yourself over the course of these four weeks? And then the second part of that is what is the most difficult thing you experienced over the last four weeks? Maybe it could be the same thing, but, but they might be different. Well, it is pretty much the same thing. When I was in the Navy, we're all in the same boat, if you will, uh, no pun intended, but it was during the Vietnam War and, and society was changing. And, you know, I was in California and we would catch a ship out of San Francisco. But the days before that, we'd be sightseeing in San Francisco. And we'd have all these war protesters and stuff. But we used to have some very heavy conversations amongst my friends and shipmates and it was easy to be personal and human, if you will, without having to worry about somebody pigeonholing you or, or judging you or anything like that. And we tend to be a bit more callous in our day-to-day -day lives over the years and stuff. But it was refreshing to me, again, 140 people, 20 different countries, it was refreshing to be able to get in a group of five and just simply let your guard down and be real because we were all in the same boat relating to the same goals and issues, and we were all achieving and working towards the goodness of the group, if you will. There was a conversation with a fellow from India, and he was torn between taking care of his parents and having a professional life. And so he exposed himself, as did a lot of people, to levels in the depth that was really hard to believe, but... It was just that kind of an environment that allowed you to just be yourself. Right. And I'm curious about Seth's involvement. Of course, he's the one who came up with the idea for the program and created the curriculum. Is he involved at any level throughout those four weeks as a teacher or as a mentor or as an advisor? Or is it with his teammates? I'm sure it's mischievous glee on the outside. He's not an instructor. There are a couple of people that they have available for office hours. You could go to a Slack room and ask questions. Like I said, ambiguity is a big part of the deal. But Seth's involvement was the occasional do whatever you think is right or try this, you know, on Twitter. And that was it. Right. And it was funny because when he did that, everybody says, oh, my God, he, at least we know he's listening. And sometimes his advice would be like worthless. And you're going, why bother? It was folly, if you will. Because that's part of that was one of the underpinnings of the whole thing is ambiguity. <laughs> right. Well, if you think about 
what he's trying to do. And like you, I've read all of his books and have been a, a student of his for many years, although not with the Alt-MBA. That might change after this call. I think that he is content to be the tribe leader, the person who maybe lays the foundation, the person who inspires, but then at the end of the day says, all right, you've got this. And it may be a little bit uncomfortable, but you're going to work through this and you can you know, abide by some of the things that I have written down here. You may disagree with some of it. You may agree with other parts of it. But at the end of the day, you've got to go through your own journey. And I think that's what's kind of neat about him. You really get that vibe when you read his blog posts and particularly his books. So I'm not surprised that this Alt-MBA has got that same sort of foundation and feel to it. Yeah, it does. And I wasn't alone in this either. Every prompt, we call them prompts or projects, I get the prompt and I go, there's no way. I can't do this. Come up with 99 businesses and many business plans. And I'm sitting there walking back and forth. So I got to my call. I already had 35. And you'd be surprised. Every single prompt, there's no, I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, you're having your call and you hang it up. You start to write, 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 write. That's what it is. He pushes your buttons. Yeah, that's great. So I just want to end off with a couple of other questions. So Bruce, you're obviously very familiar with other online courses. This has become a pretty big phenomenon over the last several years where respected colleges and universities like Harvard and Stanford are offering these online courses where you don't even need to be accepted into Harvard to take them, for instance. And then there's many others that are outside the traditional university system. And what sounds great on paper and in theory actually doesn't really turn out to be all that great because most of the people who enroll in those courses don't graduate. Whereas with the Alt-MBA, I get the impression that the overwhelming majority of people graduate. And I want you to talk a little bit about that as to why you feel there's a greater level of commitment with Seth's online course than with, let's say, one of Harvard's online courses. Well, Seth mentioned at Expo in the keynote, he said in his research, people that are invested in terms of real money in a class have a higher percentage of finishing the class than not. In fact, I was just looking at an executive program the other day from somewhere. It was $15,000. So that kind of spend would require tremendous commitment. Years ago, I went through an executive development course at Michigan State University. Of course, it was paid for by my employer at the time. But it's interesting. I mean, I think we lost one or two people in my class. There was a woman who was repeating because she had a dropout from a prior class. So I don't know if, if the dropout rate was good, bad, or indifferent. But I think that the more money you spend in something like this, you're more inclined to finish it. But then again, a lot of people were set go devotees, and that was part of the attraction as well. Right. So I think that when you combine the fact that you've got people that are invested emotionally, but they're also invested financially, which maybe leads to the next question in terms of how much this costs. But I think that as soon as you have investment, if you look at some of these other online courses, I don't think they cost nearly as much, if anything. And so it's easier for you to slack off and to, you know, bail on it because it's hard and you don't really have all that much to lose. Well, you don't really have a lot of people holding you accountable. Right. Education, like everything else, like newspapers, and, you know, I think back to when I went to college, I was on the GI Bill, so money wasn't the issue, but then I got like a sponge like you. I couldn't learn enough fast enough and I kept going because that's my whole deal. But, you know, everybody can, my daughter's a sophomore in high school, so I'm talking to her about taking some online college classes this summer. So you can get it if you want it. It's like everything else. You know, colleges and universities aren't getting the kind of demand that they've had in the past. So online is just another way to serve it up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and it's also less traditional too, right? You're not sitting in a big college right. lecture hall. And I mean, you, you mentioned, Bruce, that you're 65 and you're in the twilight of your career. I don't know whether you would specifically be uncomfortable in a lecture hall because I think you're pretty cool and adaptable, but there may be a lot of other people that are 65 in the twilight of their careers that would feel profoundly uncomfortable sitting in a college or university lecture hall with a bunch of 20-year-olds. You see it at, at Expo when you do a class, you, you get a nice mix of the demographics and you see some people are very comfortable and some people aren't. Yeah. I'd be a little anxious going back to a college setting because I think I would be the only one there with a pad of paper and a pencil taking notes. <laughs> that That is true. Although you'd probably also be the same guy who'd be helping, you know, the 18-year-olds log into their Twitter account, too. Like, you've got that uncanny ability to straddle both worlds, the old school and the new school. You know, that's why the Apple Pro and the pencil work out. They're like golden. People would, yeah. I'd just be writing my notes on my iPad Pro and my pencil. Leave me alone. Yeah, I love it. So why don't you talk a little bit about the specifics about how to apply, where to apply, how much it costs, how much time you're expected to spend within those four weeks for those people who are listening to this that are intrigued and may want to learn more about doing this for themselves. Just Google hashtag AltMBA and it'll take you to a, a portal that has all the information you really want to know. There's a bunch of frequently asked questions that I'll have answers to, but there'll be some ambiguity in those. I just looked at it before. It's $3,000. When you get accepted, they ask you to send 1000 to hold your spot. Then a couple of weeks later, they'll ask for the rest of it. About 10 days before you start the program, again, you get the box with the nine books and a challenge coin and a few other mementos inside. About 10 days after that, you start the class and away you go. What else did you want to know? That's it. You gave me all the details. I wanted to know how much it costs, how you apply. And as you say, there's a ton of information. You just Google Alt-MBA as well as uh, reviews as well from people that have, have taken it and have talked very you know, positively about it. It's interesting when I was doing research for this episode, and I'll pull it up right now because it's kind of cool. In on Quora, the question and answer site, let me see here. That's one place I didn't look. I was doing research before I started. I was like, you're sitting there, you're going, okay, I'm in. What's going to happen? How's it look? What's going on? And it was yeah. so hard to find stuff. Yeah. I, I started using the time zones to my favor because people on the East Coast or in London would have to post their prompts long before I had to do it. So it, it was kind of interesting. You, you could do some snooping around and see how it was being presented or what was going on. So Yeah, I'm just on Quora.com right now. And for those that don't know Quora, it's a great Q&A site where people will post questions and experts will weigh in with answers. It's also a great lead gen tool for people looking for promotional product sales too. That's another podcast. So the question is, does anyone think that Seth Godin's Alt-MBA is worth the money? And the top answer is from Seth Godin himself. <laughs> and I'll just read a little bit of his answer. His answer has been upvoted by many people, which is why it shows up first. So Seth Godin says, I think a better version of this question is, is the Alt-MBA worth the time? Which I think is an interesting way of putting it as opposed to, is it worth the money? So he, he continues, it takes 100 to 150 hours to complete the four-week workshop, including reading. Many large companies will reimburse your tuition, but they can't possibly reimburse you for the time you'll spend. If you're prepared to invest that sort of time, it's entirely likely that you might consider assembling a cohort of fellow travelers and do it without the structure we put together. On the other hand, having done this for three decades and run this workshop twice already, I think you'll find that we've assembled many tools techniques and coaches that will amplify the time you spend, et cetera, et cetera. 
So, Bruce, is that something you'd agree with? Absolutely. And I would highly recommend it to anyone. Mark, you're a great candidate. And it was interesting because, you know, he's, he was talking about reframing a narrative and stuff. And that's the kind of stuff that you get in these classes. And you start talking about, you know, constraints. And it just, it was a killer. It's awesome. Highly recommend it. And if you apply and you use my name and you say Alt-MBA4, they'll take that as a recommendation and they'll fast-track your application through the process. It doesn't say you're going to get in. It just means right. that you were recommended by somebody who's done it and they'll fast-track it. Right, and hopefully not put you on the sketchy pile. Yeah. <laughs> oh, friends of Perryman. Oh, no. So anyway, but if anybody has any questions and they want to call me you know, outside of this, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. I just, I had a great experience, and I, in fact, I know several people out there in, in our world would be prime candidates for something like this. Well, Bruce, thank you so much. This was really, really interesting. I love always speaking with you, and particularly when we can record it and share the conversation with many other listeners. And I think that the journey that you took us on with regard to this unconventional educational experience was super interesting. Thanks again for listening to this edition of the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes. And remember, you can always get involved in the Promo Kitchen community by visiting us at promokitchen.org. See you next time.